You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Hey, Frank, what do you call a cat burglar in a Raymond Chandler novel? What, Bradley? Le Chet Noir. I don't get it. It's a little uh, Theophilus Stalin humor for everyone there. You know what? If this is the height of humor for this review, we're already doing better than this movie. I'm just going to say that right now. Yeah, I said I said it before, but to quote uh, another review, but to quote Rodney, Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield, we're off to a great stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to be talking about a film today, and it does feature a character <laughs> that Raymond Chandler has created. You know, you know him from The Big Sleep. This is, uh, oh my God, how can I be blaking on his name? Philip Marlowe, the detective. <laughs> <laughs> now this movie is not based on a Raymond Chandler novel. You don't literally say. the title of this movie, Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> well, the title is Marlowe, based on yeah. the novel The Black Eyed Blonde, written by Benjamin N. Schutz, starring Liam Neeson. He's playing Marlowe. Now this particular mystery, Philip Marlowe is doing his thing. He's enjoying chess. He's smoking a cigar. He's talking like this. And uh, this beautiful woman named Claire enters his office, who's quite a Cavendish, played by Diane <laughs> Kruger. Is that her first name says, or last name? What did your mother-in-law think of that joke, Bradley? But 15 minutes into this, she was just like, they're delivering this dialogue all wrong. Everyone sounds ridiculous. Oh. Anyways. Well, thank you, Bradley's <laughs> mother-in-law. You did the review for us. We can go. That's Shout outs to Denise from Frank and Molina. Yeah, yeah I should know your name by this point. Sorry, Denise. <laughs> she's, she's, well, that's what I mean. The movie was so maybe ham-fisted. Is that the right word? That even she was like, this is cheesy. This is terrible. Uh, I think that 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 she she's sounding like, um, hi, I'm Frank, by the way. Um, I'll get your intros. Uh, say, yeah. say your piece and we'll get into it. <laughs> I was going to say, because uh, I'm kind of like just jumping into it. I understood what she meant, but uh, I also feel that's um, almost instantly, like first 10, 15 minutes, knew that was the trap that people were going to fall into because this plays out like, look, I'm a film noir buff. I love film noir. And um, I attend, uh, before pre-COVID, the uh, the film noir foundation's uh, traveling film festival Ooh. every year, which the film noir foundation, they do, they, they, um, they do a, a festival uh, about, uh, retrospective, retrospectively um, r- restored um, film noir titles, and a lot of them are B movies, which are just like you know, point A, point B, point C, done. And um, 
And that is like really, you know, you have your double indemnities and your Maltese Falcons, but really these are all like cut and paste sort of um, films um, that really comprise the the heart of the genre. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what this is paying tribute to. Like, I love my Chinatowns. Oh, I do. yeah. But one of the best ones. But this is really, this is really what, this is really. Marlowe is really in that spirit of like the the great noir B movie and how it really was just a, a, a diving into this world and um you know not coming up for air. This this is a Neil Jordan film, it's Liam Neeson, it's Jessica Lang, you know. Um many reasons you so want I, to throw it props and hope to God yeah. it's better than it is. <laughs> Because you think it's going to be like more prestige and whatnot, but then and that's why I have to watch it. I have to watch it twice because the noir nut in me recognized it as a B movie, as a tribute to the B movie, and the sort of like cut and paste slapdash sort of noir uh, features. But um, but then again, like you know, the modern the modern uh, film lover in me um, was like, well, this is Neil Jordan, you know, so. Yeah, I, I could see, I could see, I, I knew people's gripes from about this movie before, you know, while watching it, while at the same time loving it. Sure. Well, very good. As as he said earlier, I do have Frank with me on the case. Hi, I'm Frank. <laughs> and someone who appreciates film artistry and all the props that are in those pictures for the props themselves and not any other reason. Melina is with us. <laughs> oh, well, hello, boys. Isn't this a fine song and dance? Uh, this little film here. That is my 1940s radio announcer voice in case anybody is confused. Well, that's what I want to get into right away. This dialogue. I love Raymond Chandler dialogue. I've read a couple of the uh, Philip Marlowe, you know, character mysteries. But the way that this was delivered just seemed so flat, except for Jessica Lang. It sounded like she knew exactly what movie she was in. But the other characters are all like, hey, what time you got? I ain't got much time for anything. Anything goes if you have enough time. Enough time for anything goes. Blah, blah, blah sounding. You know, it's so funny. The thing I think works the, the least and the worst out of anything in this film is Diane Kruger. I feel talk about not getting an assignment. Yeah. Getting an assignment. <laughs> I feel like I feel like like she thinks she's in a parody. That's what I thought I, too. And not and playing it playing it completely straight as you would in a classier parody. But this to me when you mes- when you mentioned Jessica Lang, it's like she read the script and maybe saw a couple of Diane Kruger's early scenes. Uh, maybe she saw some B-roll of them and thought, you know what? If this movie's going to have a femme fatale, it's going to be me, whether it's supposed to be on the page or not. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I thought that the only Great person... call out, because she, she she does allude to that in the scene, doesn't she? Oh, she absolutely she does. does. I mean, they yeah. even use the term yeah. femme fatale, which, you know, yeah. lest there be any confusion that this movie seems to have some sense of self-awareness, I suppose. I feel like she really was maybe one of two people in the entirety of this film that actually breathed, knew how to breathe some life into these characters. Because, yeah, certain, you know, you you mentioned, you alluded to the plot 
early on Brad, which is, yeah, you've got Philip Marlowe sitting in his, you know, dimly lit office with the shades drawn and the ceiling fan whirring and the, you know, titular femme fatale or the eponymous femme fatale comes in and says, I've got a proposition for you. And if you're wondering what happens after that, trust me, you already know if you've ever seen any film noir in your entire life. It, it's like you've got mistaken identities, you have the people who come in and purport to be one thing, and then of course all is not as it seems. And if maybe this was the first film noir I had ever seen in my life that may have come across as halfway enjoyable, but this is this is paying homage to film noir I think to its absolute detriment in that it has really nothing inventive or new or interesting to offer. It's it's very last um, um, goal is to reinvent the wheel. And I hate doing this. I hate like ticking off boxes, you know, because we do that in films. We, you know, we, we, we tick off, you know, is it, do, does it do this right? Does it do that right? And, and, uh, but I couldn't help doing it in, in this film. Um, and for me, it, it it just did too much right as 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 a genre fan that I am. Like it had that you know that that snippy dialogue. One of my favorite lines is you know because the the opening um, gambit is sort of like uh, Marlowe is hired uh, to um, find this missing lover of this of uh, Claire Cavendish played by Diane Kruger, and um, he's uh, early on he finds a body that is meant to be him and you know he's like he's dead and the morgue say, says to him what's the line um oh uh, um i hope the lady friend looking for him looks good in black and i was like oh mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love that line <laughs> like that was i mean that was just like that did it for me i was like okay you got me like i i i'm all i'm all in here i think I it, thought the it, wardrobe since you kind of brought it up was fantastic throughout the whole movie i mean marlo's wearing value. the oxblood wingtips you yeah. know with, with a matching tie and he's looks incredibly but, dapper yeah. in a suit it feels of the period certainly this is taking place in of course you know 1930s la which is definitely the you know the home of your american noir but you know you mentioned diane kruger her not quite getting the role and i'm like i think that that really was a big standout problem for me throughout you know diane kruger is not a bad actress in fact you know i just was rewatching inglorious bastards and i think you know i know that that movie's a you know a few years old but i think she's fantastic and something like that and here i'm like yeah, yeah no she has certainly that classic hollywood look where you could buy her in this role Unfortunately, I feel like so many of the actors here are on different wavelengths with how they want to approach this material. You have Liam Neeson, who is just, I don't know if he read the script after he had signed the contract and was just like, fuck it, I'm not even going to really try, or if that was how he was being directed. But it's so (laughs) asynchronous with how, for example, someone like Danny Houston is playing the role, which is very verbose and very extravagant. She's playing it with that classic Hollywood lilt. Everything I say has an air of seduction. And then you've got um, Alan Cumming and Jessica Lange who are stealing the show the whole time because they just know how to deliver dialogue in a way that makes it feel very sexy. It just never felt like they were on an even keel with each other. And that was odd to me. I, I, I feel that that... Sh- that- Kruger was really intimidated 
by this. I think that I think it was a very like romantic prospect, a very exciting prospect to be directed by Neil Jordan to be in this type of you know world. But I think that she was in over her head, mm. and um, I love that um, because the the Houston and Cumming character. First of all, I, I need I need way more Alan Cumming. That that was just brilliant casting. That was brilliant casting, and he really like went to town with that character. Oh, yeah. I only got like two scenes with him. Two scenes with him was just like a crime. Mm-hmm. But I think that <laughs> he milked what he had. <laughs> he milked what he had, and uh, even with, with with Liam Neeson, who um, has worked with Neil Jordan, I think at least two other times, mm-hmm. Michael Collins and um, they're long term collaborators. So I I know that they that they they can communicate with each other about where to take the character. I love that this Marlowe was. A grizzled Marlowe, a no more fucks to give Marlowe. He's seen it all, you know. He 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 really is just going through the motions now, which is um, not always, but can be one of the key staples of of the noir detective of of sure. you know the the gumshoe. Sure, nothing really phases him anymore. You know, he, I mean, uh, the noir detective is almost like the Walking Dead in a lot of ways. Um, and I think he really brought that better. I think. Everybody here, there are very different performances. They are very different characters, and rightfully so. But I think that the one thing that they all do that Kruger doesn't is that they are all they are all playing it for real, and she's not. Yeah. Okay. She 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 isn't. She is so aware that she is in a noir movie. <laughs> well, even the character even talks like she's self aware, almost like Deadpool. I, I swear she yeah, deadpanned yeah. at the at us through the screen once, like, eh, this scene's happening it, now. Yeah, it does feel more yeah. like an exaggerated table read than it does an actual performance. Ex- yes, um, exactly. And, That's but it. the thing is, with, with me, it's like, yeah, I don't want to just put it on her, because she is far from my only problem with this movie. And honestly, at one point, I think I wrote down, okay, I feel like I have a very good idea of where this is heading, because, again, this is, I think trying to play it so close to the classic film noir formula that there's just no way that you can't really feel like, well, there's maybe only one of three ways that this could possibly go. Every scene was, would start, every other scene was someone parking their car, getting out of the car, talking to a character who's going to deliver a bunch of exposition. You're never going to see them again. And then they move on to the next. And I'm like, all right, can we just get to the end? Because I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not bored, but I'm not interested. I am in that very awkward place in between. I, I, I could, I could see that reaction. You know, my, my boyfriend's uh, son is, uh, his girlfriend uh, is a big, uh, because they're in their twenties and they watch American Horror Story. <laughs> Those uh, silly twenties. Jessica- <laughs> yeah, she she <laughs> she's a Jessica Lange fan, and um, I'd already saw this um, uh, the first time. I watched it again this afternoon. Um, uh, I'd already seen this, um, but um, when I first sent the screener, was sent the screener last week, and I talked to them, um, and they were they had already made plans to go see it, and because. Uh, and his girlfriend was like, oh, I love Jessica Lang. That's the reason I'm going to go see it. And I'm like, I, I don't know if you're the audience for this. Because this is, this is a very specific, it's paying tribute in a very specific way. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's almost sacrificing itself in a lot of ways. Because it, it, it knows that it doesn't have the most fleshed out plot. It no. knows that it has, you know, too many different characters. And it's, um, 
but it is paying homage in a way that it is to it, like you said before, to its detriment. Um, but it is, I really do feel like this is the, the, the noir, you know, tribute that Jordan wanted to make. I can't help but feel that way because, you know, I mean, he, there's no doubting, you know, Jordan's prowess oh, yeah. as, as a filmmaker from, you know, the vampire to uh, the brave one, which I love. Yeah. And, um, no, I mean, he is you know, a very dynamic filmmaker and his name count- is much as Liam Neeson. Not counting Greta. Not counting Greta, which was a piece of shit. Oh, I don't even remember but, what that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Greta? Uh, but, you know, his name right up there with Liam Neeson was what, and, you know, equally Philip Marlowe's name was something that was really attracting me to this. I'm like, wow, with the three of those three names together, like this can't go wrong. And for me, it doesn't go horribly wrong. I feel like, you know, it's sitting at like 24% critic-wise on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think that that is a little harsh. Uh, I don't think this is a terrible film. I just think that it is a very rote film. It also kind of saves itself by being like a smaller film. Mm Mm-hmm. It was was almost two hours long. Before we go on too long, uh, Frank, why don't you carry that into your final thoughts? Sure. Like, like, uh, like I was just saying, I think it's uh, you know, like this is from Open Road Films rather than like a Focus Features or a Lionsgate. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, Yeah. like it's. um, I think that this is. I think really this is like a passion project for all involved, and I think that everybody, uh, for sure, Neeson, uh, who by the way, this is his one hundredth film. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, Nisa and Jordan, I think that, that that they knew what they were doing. Um, this is in the, in the spirit of the B movie, the B noir, which if you ask any any hardcore noir fan, anyone that's ever been to to the Noir City Film Festival, um, this is candy. This is Christmas morning. Um, you know, it's got a stylish flair. I think Jordan throws himself into the genre and the period and won't let go. This movie has, has a great sense of place. It's not a it's not a difficult mystery to follow, and it does get mark for it does it does get marks for um high marks for high mark being the mystery. Sorry, my goodness. Sorry, I didn't mean to break your flow. Um. No, it just get passing marks for for uh, for being more than initially meets the eye and keeps evolving rather than just laying dormant, um, which a lot of B noirs uh, could not do, did not do. I think that you know it, it is pulpy, and I love pulpiness, but I think there's poetry in the pulpiness. There always has been, and I think um, a good noir each character will have their own sort of poetry, their own sort of like tragedy about them, whether or not they say it through their dialogue. And I think that, th- that it's true with every character, even the horribly portrayed Diane Kruger character. Um, <laughs> I, I would have liked a little more tightening, a little bit more finesse with the editing. I think that the ending, it ta- Jordan lingers a little bit in terms of trying to wrap things up more than more than he should have even for for in the b movie noir vein i think he just he just he doesn't want to say goodbye um when he should and 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 that's felt like we should have ended 10 minutes ago i'm on your side but we should have ended 10 minutes ago yeah (laughs) 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 yeah um speaking of wrapping it up okay uh um 
uh, I'm just going to end by saying, you know, I mentioned Noir City, the Noir City uh, Film Festival. Um, it's put on by the Film Noir Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization uh, based in San Francisco. If anybody watches uh, Turner Classic Movies, um, Eddie Muller, who hosts um, um, the Noir um, spots on there every Sunday, uh, he uh, is the uh, head of the Film Noir Foundation. Um, their sole mission is to um, capture and preserve and restore um, these old noir films that were thought lost and have a lot of them haven't even been screened since uh, when they first uh, debuted in the 30s and 40s. Um, they're a really good organization. Um, if anyone is interested, please go find out about them. Buy some of their swag, um, fnf.com. Uh, or .org. I forget which. I top of my head. I'm so sorry. Uh, Film Noir Foundation. Please go support them. They are an amazing group, and um, I love them. So, yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and give this 7 out of 10 um, tables that you just want to, like, uh, just destroy because your mom is driving you crazy whenever you sit down to lunch with your friend, and, you know, you just can't take your parents anywhere with you. <laughs> <laughs> Melina, your final thoughts. Uh, well, you, know, you mentioned, you know, B-movie noir. One thing that I would throw out there is I actually watch a lot of what I, I guess what you'd call Z-grade noir usually because, well, usually there's a Ooh. silhouette of a guy and two Ooh. robots uh, in front of them. And <laughs> to quote one of my favorite uh, mystery science theater riffs of all time, man, they managed to pull that off without a moment's suspense. And unfortunately, that is how I felt about this movie. Like I said, I don't mind that this movie is not trying to be something like Blade Runner. It's not trying to reinvent the genre. But I'm like, okay, yeah, if you want to throw it back to something classic like that, I feel like you can't just go on homage alone. You have to make your characters feel like a genuine presence. You really want to follow what you really want to follow this mystery. And that mystery is what makes or breaks a noir. And in this case, I was like, it's not that I can totally guess where this mystery is going. It's just that I don't find myself caring very much. I want to give it, I really wish that I could give it more props because, you know, I love, I am a big fan of Liam Neeson. I love Neil Jordan and I have a lot of respect for the Philip Marlowe character but I'm like, with a character that's been portrayed this many times and in so many different ways, I'm like, you have to find some reason for why this should, like, why this property should stand on its own or why it could stand on its own. And I just feel like it never did. Um, and I also think, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a mortal sin to introduce a MacGuffin with 19 minutes left in your film. Um <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we'll talk about that off mic, yeah. but yeah, so I'm going to give this I'm going to give this film I'm gonna give it five out of ten uh fish tanks that probably shouldn't be in the same room as a machine gun. So for me, I think I just find the idea of noir way too precious. I'm always that jerk that's like, Well, I wouldn't have said it like that when watching <laughs> <laughs> noir films but uh that being said 
love Jessica Lang. I thought that if, as you pointed out, Diane Kruger didn't understand the assignment, Jessica Lang absolutely did. I could listen to her talk to Marlowe all day. And Liam Neeson, for the detective, it has to be said, he's an incredibly good listener. And I know that's really hard to be in these hard-boiled detective movies, but he should be. That's a part of the character is picking up every little detail. Yeah, it's a lot of monologuing you have to, you have to listen to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tragically, I'm like, hey, could could you just drop trying to find this Nico guy for a minute? And maybe you and this new friend that you made, because he does make kind of a compadre, named Cedric, played by Adewale Ekunuye Agbaje. Mr. Echo. Yeah, and those, those two, they were so fun together. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> can we just have them be like, hey, uh. Cedric, let's let's go have another mystery, and then he'd be like, "Okay, Mister, you know, Marlowe, let's do that," and just leave the movie and have a more fun mystery. That's I shouldn't be hoping. That, I feel robbed you know? now because I really want to see that. You gotta love, you gotta love the way he like uh, that guy takes care of his boss. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, in conclusion, I also like. A lot of uh, Neil Jordan's work. The Butcher Boy is one of my all-time favorite the books, Butcher and I thought Boy. his oh. adaptation of that was magnificent. The violence in this is so over the top, but also queasy. Like, ugh. so on that note, I am actually going to give this a more, a little bit more positive, but a little less negative than Frank. A six out of ten squashed pumpkins. <laughs> How many times did they have to oh. say it just you get, like you that? Get that allegory, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got, you got that that al- analogy, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah that paints yeah. a picture. That paints a picture. <laughs> you know, if this was a parody, they'd they'd be marketing it like, "When crime goes high, he goes Marlow." Ah ha 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 ha